Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Now, this is not a political statement, okay, but President Trump, the former President Trump, uh, had a new phrase that gained a whole lot of new, new significance over the last few years. It was called fake news. Have you heard that before come from President Trump? Fake news. Well, Christmas brings us true news, not fake news. It's probably the most true news you could long to hear on a day like today. True news of both grace and truth that come through Jesus Christ from the absolute source that we can trust. And that source is from the very God who sent his son into the world uh, to be that grace and truth for us. And what is Christmas doing? Christmas is God speaking into our world through the arrival of his eternal son to live with us and to bring that grace and truth. Not fake news, true news, true news. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, go to John chapter 1. And we're going to read uh, the first 14 verses there. And uh, we're going to hear about this this good news, this true news. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives the light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the, uh, of, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the, word, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth." Lord, thank you. Thank you for this glorious day that we can actually begin to reflect and focus upon this mighty miracle. This miracle, Lord, that you would come and presence yourself with us, that the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We ask today, Holy Spirit, just as we look at this passage for a brief moment now, just open up our heart again to see what you have done as you come to speak into our world through your Son, Jesus. We ask this in his name and for his glory alone. Amen. Well, that is what the Christmas story is. It is this divine appointment of God coming to the earth he created to dwell with his people. An amazing act that God has undertaken on our behalf. Uh, Why did Jesus, the Son of God, come to the world? Well, he came to glorify God through revealing his personhood, by revealing who God is through the person of Jesus. God sends his Son so the world can know who God is through the Son. Jesus also comes as a baby born in Bethlehem to be the true king who ultimately lays down his life upon a cross to rescue and save us from a broken world and from us, from our sins as well. And what the Apostle John uh, does here in this um, first uh, chapter of 
his book, the gospel he wrote there, it's, it's like an introduction. It's an introduction of God coming into the world here. And what he does, he, he tells us that when Jesus came as this uh, God coming into the world, he came to the earth as well, that is to represent grace and truth. As we saw that reflected in that last verse there in, of uh, verse 14. So John sets up this introduction here for, uh, for God coming into the world. So I want us to look at this introduction just briefly today and then we'll see this remarkable intervention of God that must grab our attention here as we think about what God is doing. Okay, let's think about the introduction though first. And I think we've all heard those introductions in the past where somebody has all their accolades read out as someone's about to come up to the stage and do whatever they're going to do. You know, this person has sailed around the world solo. This person's completed a doctorate of engineering. Uh, this person started a charity for homeless youth around the country. And this person has addressed the national parliament over the plight of abused children in third world countries. And then you say, would you please welcome so-and-so to the stage? They sort of give this introduction here of all these accolades and achievements of this particular person. Well, John does something similar here as he writes this gospel account for us of Jesus Christ. John actually announces like four things about who this person is as he makes this introduction here as he introduces Jesus coming into the world. Just let's briefly look at these four things here as, we, as John forms this introduction of the Son of God. In verse 1 he says this, in the beginning was the word. So John's not actually telling us it's Jesus' name, he's actually going to hold that for a few verses down the track, but he's referring to him, Jesus, as the word. John is telling us here that the word has always existed, always existed. In the beginning was the word. There was never a time that the Son of God hasn't existed. He's just simply always been. In the beginning, in the beginning was the word. He's always existed. Second thing John tells us here in verse 1 is this, and the word was with God. In other words, the Son of God has always been in relationship or community. He's not solo. He doesn't fly alone. He's always been connected in community, in the, the community of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Word was with God in community, in connection. The third thing John says here in verse 2, as part of, the, of this introduction, there in verse 2, is this, and the Word was God. Now, that's not the past tense, as it were, like he was God, but he's no longer that anymore. It's not he was God, not at all. No, the Word is God, was always God, and will always be God forever. Big statement to just think about that. The Word was God. The Word is God. That's an astounding statement, just to stop and reflect on that as John's building this introduction here of the Son of God. This is the person that John is now introducing for us. It's God. The fourth thing John says here in this introduction is now found in verse 3, which also is mind-boggling when we think about that. He says in verse 3, All things were made through him. He's talking about the word still. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He, the word, is the eternal creator. Not... Without him was not anything made that was made. That's pretty big. 
Probably a bit big for us to take in because our minds will never take in, particularly maybe on Christmas Day. But just one example of the word here who's created everything is this, and it's only a small example. Um, there's, rough, there's a rough estimate of one septillion stars in the universe. Who's ever heard of the word septillion before? Oh, Christian's got it, and yep. Julie's got it as well. Well, we can bring it up. Um, that's one septillion. Now, that's only of the universe that we can actually see. There's a whole lot of the universe that we can't see. Okay, so there's one septillion stars, and this word has created every single one of them. And that same word, the eternal creator, holds every single one of those one septillion stars in perfect alignment and orbit. Now you would expect John to say next, please welcome God. He doesn't quite get there yet. He's got a little bit more to say before he gets down to that. But I just want us to stop and think a little bit here about the term word to name God. Why does John use this term here, word, to name God? Why didn't he use the term picture to name God? Because after a while, isn't a picture worth a thousand words? Isn't that what they say? That's the same how it goes? What did he say in the beginning was the picture? I'm all for pictures. They describe great things. They can do that. But God has chosen to reveal himself to us as the word and not as the picture. What does that mean as we think about that? Well, a picture can be helpful. A picture can give us an image. But it doesn't give us the understanding of the detail, what's happening inside that image. We need words, as it were, to fill out the detail surrounding the image that we're looking at. Take, for example, if you look at a cricket field. What are you going to see on there? Well, you're going to see 11 players sort of dotted around the field. You're going to see two people dressed up in in batting gear. You're going to see two umpires and hopefully no sort of spectators running onto the ground. So you should see about, what's that, 15 people on the field. And you'll get a picture of that and you'll get an idea of what's happening in this picture on the cricket field. But you really won't know what's happening until someone actually begins to explain with words in detail what are they doing. Why is that person standing there? Why is that person running in? What words do is it gives us greater understanding to what's happening around about us. And that's what we see here with the word that John's referring to, that God is a speaking God. He gives us his words to give us a deeper understanding of who he is. Not just a picture, but it's words. God gives us detail about him. Uh, This is why here at Exchange, every week we come and we open this up, because this is God's word speaking to us, telling us about him, telling us about us, telling us about this world. It is God's voice speaking out of these pages. As we think about this word, let's skip down now to verse 14 where John picks up again the word. And he says here about this, it's probably about the time he's about to say, please welcome God to the scene, but he says this in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This is, in essence, the Christmas story. This is the word, God becoming flesh. God coming amongst us. 
As we sung earlier there in Hark the Herald Angels Sing, that verse says, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Emmanuel is God with us. This is the picture here that uh, John is now beginning to open up for us, that the word became flesh and dwells amongst us, dwells with us. God now dwells with the people that he's created. God is now with the people that he's created in a human body. Jesus has come in a human form, veiled in flesh, as that line says, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Jesus is just like us in every way, yet at the same time, fully God. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus already, you might think, that's nothing new, really. I've heard that before, and praise God that you have. But it's something that should always resonate within us, the miracle that God did, that he became one of us. Now, if you're investigating Jesus, this may well be very new to you. You think, I've never heard this before. Is this really true? Is this what Christmas is about? I thought it was about the guy in the red suit. No. Nothing against the guy in the red suit, but it's about Jesus becoming one of us, the Son of God. Jesus is now another revelation of who God is. Not only in words, yes, in words, but also now in the person of God presencing himself amongst us. Let's look now at what the Son of God is represented by when he comes, because John tells us this in verse 14 as well. He says at the end of verse 14, what? Full of grace and truth. Grace, God's undeserved favour and kindness towards those who could never qualify for it. Grace, what God gives to us. And truth, God's perfection of the true state of all things. The only one who knows true truth. Not fake news, true news, truth. We desperately need both grace and truth in our lives. If the truth be known, all we really deserve from God is his right judgment. If the truth be known, that's what every single person deserves, is God's judgment. But in God's unbelievable grace, he sends Jesus to take our place, to take that judgment on our behalf. That's what we call the gospel. That's what we call the good news, truth and grace. Let me just pull this together now. God's become one of us. The words become flesh, bringing grace and truth. And I'll just pull this together now as we just sort of conclude this to another level of significance. For those of you who know your Bible, at uh, at the end of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, we have the completion of the Old Testament. That is the last verse on the Old Testament. And back in the Old Testament, God spoke to his people, the speaking God, God spoke to his people through prophets who were the mouthpiece for God. God would pass on words to them and then they would actually speak these words out on behalf of God. And we have this recorded for us in the first half of the Bible uh, in the Old Testament. But at the end of Malachi, at Malachi chapter 4 verse 6, the speaking God goes silent. Silent. God doesn't speak a word through any prophets at all after Malachi chapter 4 verse 6. Just silence. 
For the previous couple of thousands of years, God's been speaking through a number of prophets in regular times right throughout that millennia. But then silence. Not a word. Then 400 years later, God breaks the silence and he speaks again. First, the angels announce the birth of Christ, the Messiah. And then God makes his first noise in 400 years when lying in a feeding trough. What's God's first noise? It's the cry of a baby. Lying in the hay, crying for his mother to feed him. God breaks the silence with a cry. It's the creator of the universe, the one who holds all things in his hands, the one who's put those one septillion stars in the sky and holds them all in orbit. And he's now lying in the hay and he's crying for food. God has broken the silence. And with this silence broken, he's now about to bring both truth and grace that we so desperately need in this world at the moment. I think about the last 20 years of the explosion of information that we all have in our back pockets. We pick up a smartphone and you can find just any information on anything all over the world. But what has that explosion of information led to? Has it led to more clarity and light and understanding about life? No. It's led to more confusion and darkness with this explosion of information. We need truth and we need grace. More than ever before, we need to fully understand who God is, ourselves and the world that he has created. That's what he's done through Christ. I want us to stop there and just think about silence for just a moment. Some of us live in silence and we just want to block everything out. What I mean by that is this. I just don't want to deal with anything. Just, just leave me alone. It's all too hard. I just want silence. And maybe even on Christmas Day you might think the sooner it's over the better. I just want my space. Well, you see, if we're really honest about that, that sort of silence never really deals with anything at the end of the day. It all just stays bottled up on the inside and we never really find the healing for ourselves that we are looking for, even in that silence. What does God want to do? God wants to break into that silence. With what? With his grace and his truth that we would find the healing that we are so desperately looking for even in the silence. On the other hand, there's others of us who live in perpetual noise. We can't stand the silence. We just want something there all the time, filling our mind, distracting us. It does our heads in if things go silent. We need something to be excited by or satisfied. We need something that's happening in my life that keeps me feeling up or keeps me feeling positive. Very often that noise is masking the brokenness that we feel on the inside. We're just trying to drown it out with some other type of noise. And if it does go silent for people like that, my brokenness seems to get louder and louder and louder. So we try to drown it out with something else. What does God want us to do? 
He wants to embrace silence so that we can hear his words of grace and truth, so we can truly find the healing for our souls that only he brings. You see, this is what God has done on Christmas Day. He broke the silence. He spoke again. He brought grace and truth. And this is exactly what God wants to do afresh in all of our hearts and lives, to speak into our life again with the grace that comes from God alone and the truth that comes from God alone that actually sets us free from ourselves and from this world. And that's what Jesus brings on Christmas Day. I would encourage you, uh, today and over the next few days, find some silence. Contemplate on who Christ is. Contemplate on the depth and the meaning of Christmas. Strip away the tinsel, strip away the presents for a while, and just actually think about who is Jesus. Think about some of the carols we've sung and let the truth of Christ, God, the Word who became flesh and dwelt with us, resonate within our hearts. And I pray that God's Spirit would open that up through grace and truth and you would find what a glorious and wonderful Saviour is that we sing so many Christmas carols about. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that we can come and gather here and celebrate that the Word became flesh. Father, I thank you today that we can come and celebrate that you broke the silence on Christmas Day. Silent, Lord, for more than 400 years, not saying a word. And then a tiny baby cries, lying in the hay. God's speaking again, knowing that this baby would grow into a man who would bring us both grace and truth. You are a speaking God and your word still speaks today, Lord, please. Please help us to find a moment today of silence where we can reflect and rethink and meditate again upon the true nature of what Christmas is about. God becoming a man to rescue and save us. And I pray, Holy Spirit, open up our eyes to this truth and may it fill our hearts with joy and hope and wonder as we reflect on that. Father, we ask that, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.